Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. And animation deliberation. We've got Zuhair and Jay Scotty back for our discussion of Bad Batch Episode 13. All that more after this commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back, folks. I'm Matthew, your host. And I'm happy to say that today we have both of the hosts of Animation Deliberation, the folks who've been kind of co-hosting this along with us since it's both Star Wars and animation content, uh, Zuhair and Jay Scotty. Zuhair, we haven't gotten to talk to you in a while. How you been? How you been liking the show so far? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, It's been great watching this show. Uh, got a lot of the continuity that I've been hoping for. And of course, mm-hmm. amazing animation, great action, awesome storyline. It's been fun listening to the Star Wars Universe podcast after watching every episode, so I'm glad to be back on it. Awesome. Awesome. Jay Scotty, how are you doing today? No complaints here. It's always a great day when we can discuss some Bad Batch, and definitely happy to have Zuhair back in the proceedings here. Definitely, I think this is our yeah. first time since the primer. I think that we've had both of you on. That's correct. I think I think we've had a lot of weeks where a lot of Jay Scotty, a couple times with you, Zuhair, uh, a couple times with other people, but I know just aligning our schedules, especially when we want to record right after the episode came out, has been difficult. So I'm just thrilled we can uh, get the whole team back together. Darn work responsibilities. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> hey, folks, if you, you want more of this content, just contribute to Patreon. Contribute to, you know, sign up for all these podcasts. Tell your friends. Get us lots of money. And we can quit our jobs and just bring your content. <laughs> that, that sounds terrible. I love my job. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Help us out still. So we can anyway. get our job a little less. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're all kind of freelance of some kind or another. Well, not really, but anyway. <laughs> so, Bad Batch 13, what'd y'all think of this episode? It was will... one of the slower episodes for me, mm-hmm. which for me to say that kind of says a lot because I've I've always found the positive in everything. I felt really confused at the beginning. Uh, like, I, it made me feel like I had missed an episode, like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Um... I'll dive into it a little more. I'll I'll let Jay Scotty give his overall, but it was a little bit confusing and a little bit on the slower end for me. Obviously, there's lots of pros, lots of great things to talk about, but um, this is probably one of my my lower tiers out of the season. That's fair. Mm. I I think those are all fair criticisms, and I I probably align with you in a lot of those ways. I enjoyed the episode for what it was, and I agree with you. There was some pretty good takeaways. But in terms of this being an episodic show and episodic storytelling like we've talked about, at this point in the in the game, it does feel like the filler episodes are a little bit more frustrating. It was an enjoyable mm-hmm. episode, but just in terms of like thinking that we were in the final crux and, and going to have some real stakes going forward, that's just a little bit frustrating. I have been watching a lot of other animated shows, not to diverge too much here, but I've been watching some anime, chiefly uh, Demon Slayer and My Hero Academia, and those are very episodic as well, but I feel like they're just doing a better job of um, basically threading the needle there and and giving you the bigger story overall, but always Mm -hmm. keeping you, like, itching for more. I just wish the show was doing a little bit better of of a job at that at this point. Yeah, I felt really torn on this episode because... I found the episode, like I found the episode itself, actually really interesting. Like mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. getting to dive more into the criminal underworld, and uh, I mean, obviously nowhere near as dark. But in some ways, this kind of reminded me of The Wire in some ways, in terms mm. of just the like various criminal gangs fighting with each other, and these one couple people kind of getting stuck in the middle and things like that. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I, I do feel like you know cause we've been talking a lot in the last couple episodes about like is episodic good or bad. 
and I, I had definitely come around to like I like episodic and I'd kind of missed episodic. I, I think the thing is though, this show is trying to obviously balance between episodic and the Uber plot. And I just feel like the pacing is all off, you know, because it keeps winding up that we get an episode that would be really good. Epi- like, I feel like if this had been episode seven or eight, if mm. we had just kind of gotten to Ord Mandel and Sid by episode four or five and just stuck there for like six or seven episodes and had some like uber plot advancing, but mostly just be like episodic in the middle. And then you're right, like once we get back into contact with Crosshair and the Empire, just kind of commit to that to finish out the season. Sure. I think I would have liked this episode a lot more because I loved a lot of the content of it. The whole like killing bugs in the tunnels did nothing for me. I could have missed all of that. Sure. But just sure. like I, I I liked a lot of those details. But yeah, it, it just felt like after getting me so hyped up about Crosshair coming back and the conflicts and, and what's happening, now this just sort of felt it, it didn't feel like we're committed to episodic television and we're telling you a fun episode. It felt mm-hmm. like, okay, you know you're going to get a good payoff soon, but we don't want to give it to you quite yet. So here's this thing instead. And that's where I feel like that to me is the difference between episodic and filler. And this this felt more like filler than episodic, I think. Yeah, because I woke up thinking, wow, there's only four episodes left of the show. It's They're probably all going to be bangers. Especially mm-hmm. like with the only storylines that have taken more than one episode was the very beginning yep the mid-season and then the story with Hera so knowing that there's only four episodes Mm -hmm. left and not knowing if there's a season two or what the direction of the bad bitch or Star Wars is from here it's like do we need this episode right now right or could the pikes have been more of a threat in this episode to I don't know, maybe just kind of, like, give us the bigger story? It's Yeah. There's a lot of good things, but that did bother me, and I did kind of want to get out. It's like, man, three episodes left, and this is what we're getting? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a really good point. I I kind of feel like I was talking to Paul, actually, this morning, who couldn't be on the the podcast today, but he was saying that he felt like he would have cared a lot more about this episode if he had already started to care about the relationship with Sid and the Bad Batch. Sure. I, I feel like... I definitely had started to care about it, but I definitely wanted a lot more. I feel like both Sid and the Bad Batch and the idea of the Pikes as this kind of looming, menacing threat in the background, those would both have been great to establish in like episode three or four and then keep sort of hanging over us this entire time. You know, that maybe like the Pikes are the main group that's starting to kind of fill in the gaps now that uh, the... The Republic corruption is gone and the Empire is starting to kind of crack down and like the Pikes are really making their move. And that could have been like a fun background thing. And here's the time when they really sort of step front and center or to have had a yeah. lot more time with the Bad Batch developing this relationship with Sid. But I feel like we, we they wanted us to care about the relationship in a way I hadn't really felt like, yes, Sid and Omega had had a really nice connection moment, mm-hmm. but you know, Sid had been the person who kind of, like, screwed them over and, like, kind of got them yeah. into, like, you know, kind of, like, wage debt of, like, you know, well, you didn't know it, but you actually owe me all this stuff and I have work for me. Like, that's kind of making Sid more of a big bad than, like, a relatable, <sighs> like, lovable scoundrel figure, you know? So I just – the whole thing felt kind of off, especially because, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, another comment Paul made was, you know, we have Sid, like, being replaced by this guy – 
who doesn't seem that bad. You know, this relatable animal creature really likes him, which is generally kind of a good thing. He doesn't seem yeah. like super evil. And so again, it, that, and, and by the end, I think he's supposed to be kind of relatable and you're supposed to feel bad. And I, I liked the idea of him being like kind of a sympathetic guy. Like he, he got in way over his head with the wrong people. I, but it, I, just, it, it all felt out of, out of place. Yeah. I really enjoyed the character Roland. I thought he was the highlight of the episode and a nice addition. Mm-hmm. It was cool. He kind of felt like almost like a Bond villain in a way where he's from a, a, his cut of cloth is a little, he's spoiled and had everything handed to him on a silver spoon. You can even tell with his garb, like when it, it goes down to Ruby on the ground and you can see his boots, he's got like these nice snakeskin or maybe some other alien creature <laughs> boots, but yeah, just the fact that Omega is always kind of the heart and soul of this team, and she can, she right. has that moment with him when they're in captivity, and, and she sees that there's some good there, and she's even able to convince the Pikes. And I have to get some clarification on the Pikes. Is is that a species that we should be familiar with, or a group that they were broadcasted as being very threatening? Um, they kind of reminded me yeah. of the Kaminoans in terms of their vocalization. Should I mm-hmm. know who the Pikes are? They you were sh- in Clone Wars, Rebels, and the Solo movie. Yeah, who were they in Solo? Or where were they? They were the, Solo? the like they, that's who they got the spice from. So they mentioned the Pikes a lot. I'm not sure if they ever ah, okay showed. Yeah, I'm not sure if they ever showed the Pikes, but there's such an interesting look. I don't know how they would look live action. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but yeah, they they play a pretty important role in the in the Clone Wars. Okay. The, they never kind of go too specifically into it, but the idea is that they are another criminal underworld, kind of half family, half race. That's kind of like them and the Huts are both rivals for the criminal underworld, mm-hmm. um, and they become particularly important because. Uh, I'm trying to fill this in quickly, but well, yeah, spoilers for towards the end of Clone Wars. If you haven't seen that yet, let's skip ahead mm-hmm. a minute. Basically, it's discovered that the. The way the Jedi figure out that the Sith were actually behind the original creation of the uh, uh, clones, it, the the Pikes were an essential part of the plot. Like the Pikes had been working with Sifo-Dyas and then had killed Sifo-Dyas or like taken him. It, it's kind of a very confusing uh, thing. I don't remember the exact details, but basically like uh, Dooku was working with the Pikes uh, to help kind of hide the secret of what happened to sifo and then he turned on them. And so there's a moment where our heroes are working with the Pikes against Dooku. Interesting. Uh, okay. So, yeah, they're, they're an interesting group, and they definitely have kind of, like, some sense of, like, honor among thieves and things like that. But also, Zuhair, and tell me if you would agree with this, I felt like in the show we were always told they were a lot more menacing than we actually saw them. And here, I felt like I really believed the menace of them. Like, I thought they were much more effective characters in this. 100%. I 100% agree with you. I love (laughs) them. Like, the the presence that they had, like, when everyone started pulling their guns out at them, like, we got your money, like, back off. And the fact that they were just, like, staring down and, like, Mm -hmm. not flinching, it's like, we've done this before. You're going to give us our money or you're going to die. Like... They didn't even have to say anything for me to get that vibe. And then the next scene where, like, everyone's knocked out and you find out there's still only four of them. Like, they didn't bring in backup or anything. There's like, all right, we're going to clean up shop just to show that we're serious right now. And as much as I would have loved to have seen it, like, that essence of, like, all the action happening in the background was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It, It reminded me a lot of that scene I've seen in a lot of mob movies where, like, 
you know, a bunch of small time criminals like try to rob somebody without realizing they're like the big guy in some yeah. criminal enterprise. And the person's totally. like, whatever. I'm not at all afraid of you because if you hurt me, the amount of hurt that's going to happen to you and like, especially that line, like to you and your families, that oh, felt yeah. so much like straight out of a mob movie. You know, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really into this part of it. And, and their the voice is every. On- yeah, the Sorry, expression on Roland's face too when when the pikes are delivering that threat—that's what just totally sells it too. The fact that he's got his blaster up, but you can see his hand trembling, and they don't even draw their weapons; they are yeah. totally unthreatened. It's just very, very effective, and and does make them scary. What were you gonna say, Zuhair? Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with your sentiment. I just it was just their voices and everything, like how sinister and calm and everything was. It was it was terrifying, and I I really want to see more of them after that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. That's why I said I'm so sad that they're just kind of being introduced here as maybe kind of a one-off because it makes me really wish that we'd had them since episode three. Yeah, mm-hmm. that confrontation with Sid over the series would have been really fun because it, lo- it looked like the Bad Batch would have even had to have like struggled with them. Yeah. And when they squared off and everything too, when they threatened Omega, I was like, ooh, this could get really interesting right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because, uh, Jay Scotty, do you know what Spice is? Spice and well, it's, it's funny that you clarify because yeah, Spice definitely Dune does remind me <laughs> of Dune. But uh, my familiarity with Spice, I know the, the smugglers, they sp- smuggle Spice. Han Solo, he was smuggling Spice when he did this Kessel Run. Um, that's what I know about Spice in Star Wars. It's kind of the catch-all drug. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, it being a drug, I think, is a really important part. And that's, again, part of what gave me like the wire feel to it. Like it's, Sure. Because of the kind of, like... Not that it's a kid's show, but that it's always supposed to be so very kid-friendly. They've never really gone into what Spice is, except in the books. Mm. But it's basically like cocaine or heroin. That's how I like thought of it. a highly okay. addictive, dangerous drug that being involved with is a bad business. And, like, yeah, I would have loved to get more of, like, the Bad Batch trying to wonder, like, how do they feel about basically helping drug runners, you know? It did have me questioning for a moment, but then it, it set Omega up for that great line when they do lose the Spice initially. And she's like, well... At least we got rid of the spice, right? And yeah, <laughs> she doesn't get a single reaction from anyone else. It's just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are I, th- I think those are kind of a lot of the frustrations we definitely had. What are some of the things people liked about this episode? I will always talk about the lighting first. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, talk about that because I don't think I noticed it much. Actually, even at the beginning, like when the when the ship was coming in and landed, I was like, man, everything about this is so beautiful. Like they honor the original style, but just so much detail. Uh, but even when they were in the caves and everything, just the, the flashlight perspective and everything mm-hmm, yeah. is dark. You do have the sense that you can't see anything, but they do put it in a way where you can still see what's happening. You know, I, I think that episode of game of thrones where like everybody complained to too dark kind of like set a standard of like what dark scenes should look like mm-hmm. and their ability to convey the the terror of being in the dark and having to be silent but still giving the audience a visual of like what's going on like that pristine detail is something that i can i can't get over in the show because it's very consistent and it looks so beautiful mm-hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that opening shot when you see the ship originally landing on Ord Mantell. What stuck out to me in that scene is, again, when you get these like far distances and vistas, the level of detail goes down, but it really starts to look more and more just like hand-painted, and I, I love mm-hmm. that aspect of it. Outside of that, the some of the things they did with the camera 
really mm-hmm. stuck out to me. I felt like there was more depth of field in this episode than we had seen in previous episodes. So I just always appreciate the extra cinematic flair there. Uh, it's funny, uh, Matthew, you and Paul have made me a little more acutely aware of when uh, animal violence is taking place, even if it's animated. <laughs> so I, I, I did have a little bit of sensitivity when we were seeing these insects being, you know, killed unnecessarily but i did like just kind of the gross out factor getting that those great uh those bright green gooey splashes were just kind of Uh cool to see in the animated form but i did notice like when the the rail cart rolled away and you had the unnecessary one whimpering there on the rails i was like okay that's a little gratuitous we don't we don't need that yeah yeah it it definitely did seem the uh again kind of being the voice for paul here because i think is what the point he would make oh right in if i'm wrong um but like (laughs) Star Wars has always loved, like, fighting big, crazy space monsters. Well, I shouldn't say always. I think it really started with the Rancor and Return of the Jedi. But since then, we've almost always had at least one scene about some, like, you know, just an animal doing its thing, but it's threatening if people come into its lair, and then, you know, you so we need to kill it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it just, I'm just at the point where I don't, I don't love it. I don't think I'm bothered by it as much as some other people, but I'm, I don't think it's good. But also, it just... To me, the scenes in the tunnels, I think they felt, I just didn't care. I didn't have any doubt that all of our heroes were going to live. And, you know, it was kind of fun. Like the whole, like the, um, the carts running along the tunnels gave me kind of an Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom feel. That was a little fun. Oh, totally. But other than that, I I just felt like that scene went on way too long. And you could, you could have easily had it be that they like just barely get out before all the the swarm wakes up you know or whatever it is um mm-hmm. it, it, it yeah I, I think gratuitous is the perfect word for it like it's just there's so much storytelling to do why give us five minutes of fighting bugs yeah it was it was kind of a i hate to say but it was kind of predictable too mm-hmm. it's like oh yep someone's gonna drop something i hope yep mm-hmm. the bad guys don't know that's supposed to be quiet yep and yeah, like okay, I said, okay. I'm super optimistic with the show. I try not to dwell on the things that I don't like, but that was just one of those things where it was like four episodes left, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one I one think. highlight I will give um, to that scene is that it, it showcased Sid being capable in an operation. She's talked a lot yeah. and had an attitude mm-hmm. in front of the Bad Batch and kind of criticized them when they don't deliver. But it, it was cool to see her actually operate with them and be capable. And it was hilarious when it was her and Wrecker um, going down into the depths, and when they're coming back up, you get the you can hear Wrecker over the comms where he's just like, "Get us out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard when they did make it out, and he was like, "I'm okay. It's fine. it's over." <laughs> but yeah, Sid really did step up on that, and even in the earlier scene when she was giving orders, I thought there was gonna be like a moment of like, "Who are you to boss us around?" But when she mm-hmm. was like goggles tiny come with me like it was just all right she's the boss let's move yeah Mm -hmm. and it was nice getting to see her go from that moment of like hey i need you to do this job to oh wait we're all gonna die you know this was the first time where it felt like she had personal stakes involved yeah Yeah. which which i did like not not to keep quoting paul but because this is a point that he made i don't want to steal it but it's it's really worth mentioning i think here He, he made the prediction that i think may be true here is that part of what this was about was setting up both Sid and Ord Mantell 
to be very important in the last three episodes and that maybe Sid's going to be playing a bigger role in, since we did learn so much more about her skills and things like that and also all hmm. the stuff about the tunnels, you know. Um, so we, we may have had Chekhov's Ord Mantel being introduced here <laughs> to some extent or another. That's fair. There was a moment of Sid as well that I kind of appreciated because she's kind of like, um, you know, it, it is what she is. She's kind of like the person that you can kind of trust, but you can't trust. But when the kid was in trouble, she had that dialogue of, I got her into this mess, I'll get her out. Or, like, it's my job to yeah. get her out. So it's like, I think that's the first... I mean, sure, she, like, keeps the Bad Batch a secret at a cost, but that was the first of first bit of, like, honor that we got to see in her. So it's, like, cool. There's, like, some mm-hmm. sense of code of, no, this is my mm-hmm. responsibility. I'm going to make sure I take care of it. Yeah, I, I think part of it, kind of back up for a few episodes... To me, Cad Bane is the person who would never, ever do that, you know? Yeah. And if it's in a world in which all of the scum and villainy people are all like that, no one has any code, and everyone will backstab each other, that that just kind of gets kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a world where, you know, these are people, and people form attachments, and attachments matter. And you might be like, well, forget about the law, I don't care, and I'll betray people who don't matter to me. But yeah, people matter to me, and I don't want to like see a little kid who I formed a bond with, and I got into trouble. I don't want to see the person killed. Like to me, that's a that's a very understandable reaction, and I really love that both that's how most of the people in this world are to some extent or another, and also that like that because that makes Cad Bane so much more powerful, and that he very much is not. You know, he would be very clearly like, all right, fine, take the kid. We're all good. You know. Yeah. Where's my money? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking actually about a conversation that um, uh, Jay Scotty, you guys had on the last episode that I think can maybe, not that I want to go back into this topic, but just kind of add a new dimension to why this episode felt out of place. Sure. Um, you know, remember you guys had this conversation about uh, all the things that the Bad Batch kind of, you know, they, they kind of changed in some ways during that whole episode. Like they became much more invested in the fight against the Empire and in the... And in the protection of Ryloth. And we also saw, like, other clones doing the same thing. And we had that moment that you all talked about where, you know, Omega says, well, but isn't this what heroes do? And and I I think, to me, I love that line from her because it it felt very naive, but in a kind of, like, she hasn't learned to be cynical about this yet. And and part of what I got out of that was a sense of, like, the Bad Batch were kind of be like, yeah— that is kind of naive and silly, but really, why isn't it what heroes do? That's that is who we should be. Yeah, no, and I think the the line was that's what soldiers do, and uh, I think oh, it yeah, would have been you. more appropriate had it been that's what heroes do. Right. But I, I think your point still still stands. It's what kind of soldiers do they want to be? They can be heroic soldiers, or they can be the soldiers of fortune. Yeah, she she has this very naive idea of what soldiers are, but you're right. They're like, why can't soldiers be heroes? You know, why can't they be? My overall point, though, is it felt like that episode felt like a major shift for the Bad Batch of, like, it's time to stop just being mercenaries. It's time to stop just taking jobs to get paid and to run away. It's time to start being heroes. It's time to start helping the people who are being hurt. And I think to me that's why, like, Zuhair, I really like what you said about at first feeling like you were wondering if you'd skipped an episode. I think I had that same kind of thing where I was like, after everything that we went through and these big sort of, you know, a, a major point in the character arc of these characters, this felt like going back to normal in a way that felt very out of place. 
<laughs> the way that you said that had me thinking of how we started this conversation about how we like to podcast, but we need our jobs. Yeah. I think that's kind of what the Bad Batch is doing, is that the mercenary <laughs> stuff is their job, and they're doing Rebel stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> I could have seen that. I just wish there'd been, a, like, one or two lines about that, you know, about, like, yeah. wait, should we be doing this? And being like, well, yeah, but, like, Sid's, our, Sid's, been, Sid's been there for us, even if she's kind of terrible. And, like we like you said, we got to get paid to get back to the stuff we care about, you know. But, yeah, that, that is fair. That They don't have to have a complete face turn, like, 180 degrees just because of one episode. Yeah, I think seeing a little more of the Pikes or the intensity of, like, the influence they had on the situation probably would have changed that. Mm-hmm. Like, just giving more stakes of, like, oh, crap, like, their presence is actually messing with our day-to-day to a more severe extent than what it actually was. Right. And, Jay sense. Scotty, you were you were talking about a couple of my favorite shows at the beginning, and that was one of those things where it's like, you know, Demon Slayer and My Hero both have, they have their filler episodes, but they stay within an arc for the most part. And right. you know how True. much I love putting stories into arcs. And it's something else if the Bad Batch had three or four episodes of like, it's actually what the Clone Wars and Rebels did, is it was four to six episodes of like, this is the underlying story. Here's the beginning at episode eight, and here's the conclusion at 12. And then maybe in episode two of, like, the story gets round up, and then it's another four or five episodes of, like, here's the situation we're dealing with. And I just, I don't feel like we got that enough in, obviously with 16 episodes, there's only so much you can do, but right, uh, I don't feel like we got it enough in the time that uh, the show has progressed. And again, now it's, like, three episodes, and I'm wondering what the next three, before it was like, ooh, four episodes left, they're gonna, they're gonna be big ones. Now it's, like, it's three episodes yeah. left. Um, is this, you know, third to last episode going to be another one shot and then the last two maybe be something big? Like, I don't know. At at this point, that seems entirely plausible. I wouldn't have thought it going in last week, but yeah, totally could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I I think we should have no idea. You know, it could well be that we get like next week starts off a three episode arc to end it. Or could be we yeah. get one or two more just day-of-the-life episodes that are just kind of subtly setting up. I, I'm i still holding out hope that we got one episode set almost entirely on Coruscant. You know, I think that, yeah. that hope is becoming more and more dim as we <laughs> go along. But that that is definitely my hope. Do you think Tarkin is gone for good? Was Tarkin only there to help kind of like start us off and now we just have this new admiral instead? Again, uh, had you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said no way. <laughs> but the fact that we have not seen him, what, since episode three now? was oh, wow. I want to say episode three was the last time we saw him, maybe. We might have seen him one other time since then. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to expect. It might just be Rampart going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. But the comparisons to the anime, I, the one clarification I want to make there is like, the shows don't need to be the same and and I know that this show is something different and just the influence from like the Dirty Dozen and the Magnificent Seven it's kind of set up to be this kind of like a team that tackles a a mission of the week but that being said all throughout these proceedings we've had this bigger story being right. frequently broadcast that's why there's just the the conflict there and the comparisons being made and it's really only here at the end game that it's, it's starting to frustrate me as much as it is and 
that being said, I, I provide the caveat. Like, I did enjoy this episode. There was a, a lot of enjoyable stuff out of this episode. And I do think Roland was the standout, so I'm optimistic that he will return. If not in this season, he doesn't need to show up in this season. It would feel a little disconnected, but if he shows up in future seasons, I would be totally on board. And I will ask the name Issa Durand. Is, is that a name I should recognize as well? The, the, you mentioned the Pikes history in the show. Should I recognize the Durand crime family? Uh, me and Haley were talking about that before I got on too, just to kind of refresh my memory, but we couldn't figure it out. And then when I was trying to do a little bit of a goog, uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing was coming up for that character in particular. Apparently, we saw the, what was the pet's name? Ruby. Yeah, apparently we saw Ruby earlier, but I'm drawing Ruby a blank on sh- Ruby that showed episode. Up in episode. Ruby showed up in, epi- in the beginning of episode 7, because that's when we got that great transition. Ruby got... Uh, when they were flying, Ruby was like loose in the ship, and then when they finally caged her, they had that awesome transition right. from Ruby being in the cage to Sid and like funny looking lizard. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah which from... was another kind of like th- this this new guy being kind of better than Sid in a weird way. You know, he's better with animals; like he cares more for it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I didn't know that name, which it did make sense to me though because it felt like by the end of the Clone Wars the the existing leadership of the pikes had all been pretty much wiped out so this felt okay. to me like a new sort of part of the pike family was was starting up i see hmm. especially yeah, um, the, the, like the huts i think i think that well the huts are like a race but then are mostly like a bunch of like internal crime families like that all work together the pikes i think of were just like a race i don't think they had like sort of different clans or family groups Do, am i remembering wrong there um, I think you might be right on that. I feel like we can go back and forth on all this, like the episodic versus uh, filler stuff, and I think we'll kind of wrap that up as we get to the end of the show. But but you kind of like you know, it may just be this. You know, this was a fine episode. I feel like if I'm watching the whole show again, I don't think I'm going to skip this episode. But it might be the one where I'm you know spending a bit of time in the kitchen making popcorn or something like that. You know, sure. yeah, well, as sure. tied into it. Uh, but given that, I think it's okay if we kind of wrap this this up. Uh, you know, without going too long. Any other kind of last thoughts or ideas, though, or stuff we didn't get to talk about? Uh, last thing that I wanted to mention earlier, it's not a big thing, but when they were describing the Pike and they were talking about how they were the smugglers and the, they were talking about the smuggling routes and uh, all that stuff, like, their description of it was replaying the Solo movie in my head and that one part of uh, Clone War. So they worded it in a nice way to show that there was, like, connection between other series Oh, yeah, thanks, yeah. So I, I, I like that dialogue and how, like, strategically they put it in there to just kind of, like, give me a mental recap of, oh, yeah, this has been mentioned a few times before. This has mm-hmm. showed up in a couple of properties, and it, it gave me a little more excitement to see them uh, branch out, and we already expressed how much we love the Pike, so. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Uh, as I mentioned, you two have the Animation Deliberation podcast that you're working on. Tell us more about what's going on there. Yeah, we're Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoon seriously, but not too seriously. We are very excited for Masters of the Universe Revelation that just dropped on Netflix. We did a primer episode of the classic 1980s series in which a frequent collaborator, Brian V. Klein, a lot of listeners will be familiar with that name, uh, he brought in a He-Man expert, Dale Morris, to do a primer on 
10 essential episodes from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So go check that out and then watch Revelations and let us know what you're thinking about Revelations. We're going to do a couple of episodes of coverage on that. So very excited for that. And then uh, What If is just around the corner. So extremely excited for that as well. Uh, Animation Deliberation. Animation Deliberation Podcast at gmail.com is the best place to send your feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've been really loving your coverage of things. I'm, I'm looking forward to being a part of some of the He-Man discussions coming up. Definitely check out Animation Deliberation. Uh, and for our fans, what do you all think about this episode? We'd love to hear from... Like, if you're the person who loved this episode, tell us what you loved about it. Uh, if it wasn't really your thing, you know, let us know. We're always happy to get feedback. We'll probably do kind of an overall Bad Bash feedback episode at the end, but we'd also love just kind of general comments as we go. So you can contact us at the Ethical Panda at on Facebook or the... Uh, if you search for The Ethical Panda on Twitter, you'll find us that way as well. Or just go to theethicalpanda.com. That has all the contact information, and the email is just theethicalpanda at gmail.com. There also on that website, you'll find information about my other podcast, Superhero Ethics. I'm also now starting to go on Twitch quite a lot, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 o'clock Central. I'm playing poker and talking about kind of these kind of issues. Sometimes Sunday nights we're doing recording of episodes. We won't be doing that for the next two weeks, but we will be coming back probably on the 8th of August to get started with that. So check all that out. That's on Twitch. And also you can find that at The Ethical Panda. And of course, this podcast, the Animation Podcast, are all proud members of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. There you can find great content on the MCU, on Star Trek, on all these different kind of universes. There's great stuff on Fast and the Furious up there now. If there's something that geeks are talking about, we're probably podcasting about it there. So please check all that out. Uh, Zuhair and Scott, Zuhair and Jay Scotty, thank you so much for being a part of this and have a great day. May the force be with you. Keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. <laughs>